بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم وسلم تسليما كثيرا غفر الله لنا ولشيخنا وللحاضرين والمستمعين يقول الامام المجدد الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله تعالى في رسالته ادب المشي الى الصلاه باب صلاه الجماعه اقلها اثنان في غير جمعه وعيد وهي واجبة على الأعيان حضرا وسفرا حتى في خوفا لقوله تعالى وإذا كنت فيهم فأقمت لهم الصلاة الآية وتفضل وتفضل على الصلاة المنفرد بسبب عشرين درجة وتفعل في المسجد والعتيق أفضل وكذلك الأكثر جماعة وكذلك العبعد ولا يهم في المسجد قبل إمامه قبل إمامه الراتب إلا بإذن إلا أن يتأخر فلا فلا يكره ذلك لفعل أبي بكر وعبد الرحمن بن عوف رضي الله عنهم وإذا أقيمت الصلاة فلا يجوز الشروع في نفل وإن أقيمت وهو فيها أتمها خفيفة ومن أدرك ركعة مع الإمام فقد أدرك الجماعة وتدرك بإدراك الركوع مع الإمام وتجئ تكبيرة الإحرام تكبيرة الإحرام عن تكبيرة الركوع لفعل لفعل زيد ثابت وابن عمر رضي الله عنهم ولا يعرف لهم ولا يعرف ولا يعرف لهم ولا يعرف لهما مخالف من الصحابة وإتيانه بهما أفضل خروج من خلاف من أوجبه فإن أدركه بعد الركوع لم يكن مدركا للركعة وعليه متابعته ويسن دخوله معه للخبر ولا يقوم ولا يقوم المسبوق إلا بعد السلام الإمام التسليمة الثانية فإن أدركه في سجود السهو بعد السلام لم يدخل معه وإن فاتته الجماعة استحب 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 له أن يصلي معه لقوله صلى الله عليه وسلم من يتصدق على هذا فيصلي معه ولا تجب القراءة على على معموم بقوله تعالى فإذا قرئ القرآن فاستمعوا له له فاستمعوا له وأنسوا لعلكم ترحمون قال أحمد أجمع أجمع الناس على أن هذه الآية في الصلاة وتسن قراءته في فيما لا يجهر فيه الإمام عند أكثر أهل العلم من الصحابة والتابعين يرون القراءة خلف الإمام فيما أصر فيه خروج من خلاف من أوجبه لكن تركناه إذا جهر الإمام للعدلة ويشرع في أفعالها بعد إمامه من غير تخلف بعد فراغ الإمام فإن وافق فإن وافقه قره وتحرم مسابقته فإن ركع وسجد قبله سهوا رجع ليأتي ليأتي به بعده فإن لم يفعل عالما عمدا بطلت صلاته وإن تخلف عنه بركن وإن تخلف عنه بركن بلا عذر فس فكسب فكسبك به وإن كان لعذر من نوم أو غفلة أو عجلة أو عجلة الإيمان فعله فعله ولحقه وإن تخلف بركعة لعذر تابعه في فيما بقي من صلاته وقضاها وقضاها بعد السلام الإيمان ويسن له إذا 
إذا عرض عارض إذا عرض عارض لبعض المأمومين يقتدي خروجه أن يخفف وتقره سرعة سرعة تمنع مأموم من فعل من فعل ما يصن. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير ونشهد أن محمدا عبد الله وخرره ورسوله أرسله رحمة للعالمين فبلغ الرسالة وأدى الأمانة ونصح للأمة وجاهد في الله جهاده صلوات الله وسلامه عليه ورضوانه جل وعلا على صحابة محمد الذين آمنوا به وهاجروا معه وإليه وبعده وجاهدوا معه وبعده حتى نشر الله جل وعلا هذه الملة الحنيفية السمحة اللهم ارضى عنهم واجعلنا جميعا ممحبيهم المحسنين المتابعة لهم يا الجلال والإكرام وبعد الكلام فيما يتعلق بالصلاة الجماعة. صلاة الجماعة واجبة على الخادر ولو لم يصلي الجماعة مع القدرة صحت صلاته لكنه يأثم يكون آثما وفاته أيضا ربح كبير لأن صلاة الجماعة تفضل صلاة المنفرد بسبع وعشرين درجة يقول شيخ الإسلام رحمة الله عليه محمد بن عبد الوهاب التميمي رحمة الله عليه باب صلاة الجماعة أقلها أي أقل الجماعة اثنان الإمام والمأموم إلا في الجمعة فلا تنعقد باثنين فقط وكذلك في العيد ما تنعقد باثنين يعني ما يصلون عيدهم فقط اثنان وكذلك الجمعه والجماعه واجبه على الاعيان في الحضر والسفر يعني في حال الاقامه وفي حال الرحلات السفريه سواء كانت هذه الرحلات لدعوة إلى الله أو لنزهة وسياحة في الأرض أو لتجارة فينبغي للواحد أن يحرص على الجماعة في حال إقامته وفي حال سفره يقول وهي واجبة على الأعيان حضرا وسفرا حتى في أيام في الخوف يقول الله تعالى وإذا كنت فيهم يعني في الحرب في القتال فأقمت لهم الصلاة إلى آخر الآيات المتعلقة بصلاة الخوف التي تؤدى في حال المخافة من العدو لأن لا يفجع الناس بهجوم مباغت ولذلك يشرع في صلاة الخوف 
من الحركات والانتقال والتوارد انهاء الصلاه او الدخول فيها وقضائها ما لا يشرع في حال الامن والامان والراحه ثم يقول وتفضل يعني صلاه الجماعه على صلاه المنفرد بسبع وعشرين درجه وتفعل في المساجد يصلى الواحد الصلاة مع الجماعة وصلى آخر الصلاة منفردا فإن المصلي مع الجماعة يتميز على ذاك بفارق سبع وعشرين درجة هذه الأرباح العظيمة ما يفرق فيها إنسان يعقل في حال أمنه لو كان الواحد يعمل عملا ان ادى هذا العمل في هذا الموقع اخذ مثلا درهم او دينار وان ذهب ولو مسافه مائه متر لموضع اخر اخذ سبعه وعشرين دينار لا يفرق في هذا الشيء من يعقل بل لا يفرق به لو كان الانتقال يجعله مضاعفا مرتين فكيف بسبع وعشرين درجه قال وتفعل في المساجد هذه الصلاه تفعل المسجد يعني اذا وجد الناس في اجتماع لهم انهم يبلغون عددا قدر الذي في المسجد لا يقال ما دمت دام انكم عدد كثير فصلاتكم في هذا الاجتماع مثل صلاتكم المسجد لا المسجد له ميزه في بيوت اذن الله ان ترفع وذكر فيها اسمه لا شان يعني حتى لو صاروا جماعه لا يكون فضل الجماعه في موقع نجسنا فيه كفضل الجماعة في المسجد ثم يقول رحمة الله عليه والعتيق أفضل يعني إذا كان كنت بين مسجدين مسجد منشأ من زمن قديم ومسجد انتهى بالأمس انتهى الباني من البناية الصلاه في القديم افضل من الصلاه الجديد وان كانت الصلاه في هذا وفي ذاك صحيحه لكن تتميز ايضا ولو لم تكن بالعدد تتميز بالنوعيه كذلك اذا حرص الواحد ان يصلي مع في المسجد الذي تكثر فيه الجماعه فان هذا افضل يقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلاة الرجل مع الرجل أفضل من صلاته وحده وصلاته مع الرجلين أفضل من صلاته مع الرجل فمعنى هذا كلما كانت الجماعة أكثر كلما كانت الصلاة أكمل وأتم وأفضل كذلك إذا كان المسجد قريب 
من المنزل وهناك نسل ابعد ولا يتميز القريب بالقدم فالصلاه في الابعد اكثر اذا فكر الواحد بانه تكتب له خطواته رجل من الصحابه كانت لا تفوته صلاه وكان بعيد المنزل فقال له رجل لو اشتريت حمارا تركبه عن الرمضة وفي ايضا عليك الظلم قال ما ما اود ان بيتي بجانب المسجد اني اريد ان تكتب لي خطايا خطايا في المجيء الى المسجد والرجوع منه فلما بلغ ذلك النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال اخبروه ان الله قد جمع له ذلك كله يعني جمع الله له اجر الخطا الخطا لان الانسان اذا ذهب الى المسجد او خرج منه من فائده لا يخطو خطوه الا رفع له بها درجه وحط بها عنه خطيئه وان كثرت الخطا فلو فرض ان الله بينه وبين المسجد مسافه يحتاج فيه الى خمسمائه خطوه كانت هذه الخطوات كلها تكسبها حسنات بقدر هذا العدد وتحط عنه من السيئات بقدر هذا العدد نعم يسرها الله للمؤمنين وسهر لهم تحصيلها واناس من الصحابه اهموا بان ينتقلوا من حي يسكنون فيه لينشئوا حيا اقرب المسجد فلما بلغ عنهم بني يقال لهم بنو سلمه فلما علم النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بكلامهم قال يا بني سلمه دياركم يعني الزموا دياركم وقفوا فيها دياركم تكتب اثاركم ابقوا في اماكن لتكثر خطواتكم في مشيكم فتعظم لكم باذن الله الحسنه قال ولا يا امه يؤم في مسجد في مسجد قبل امامه الراتب الا باذنه يعني لا يسوغ لانسان حضر في الصلاه ان يقفز ويتولى امامه الناس وهو ليس اماما للمسجد الا اذا تاخر الامام تاخرا لا يرضاه الجماعه ففي هذه الحاله يجوز ان يتقدم احد يؤم الناس اما ما دام الوقت لم يفوت لم يطل فلا يجوز لاحد ان يتطفل ثم يؤم الناس قال وذكر الاشاره الى الاستدلال بفعل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ابي بكر رضي الله عنه لما تاخر النبي وطلبوا منه يوم الجماعه امر في مره ثانيه تاخر النبي وامن الناس عبد الرحمن بن عوف 
ولم يدخل ادرك الصلاه ودخل معه فيها يقول مثل ابي بكر وعبد الرحمن قال واذا اقيمت الصلاه فلا يجوز الشروع في نفل اذا سمعت على الاقامه تقام لا تقبل فصلي ركعتين حبيبتين وادخل معهم لا فقد جاء في الحديث الصحيح ان النبي قال اذا اقيمت الصلاه فلا صلاه الا المكتوبه لا يصح لك ان تدخل في الصلاه ان تبدا في الصلاه لكن ان كنت في الصلاه وعلى وشك الانتهاء من هذه النافله بحيث يبقى تدرك مع الامام في هذه الركعه الاولى التكبير والاستفتاح وقراءه الفاتحه قراءه الفاتحه بيسر تكمل نفلك والا تخرج منها من النافله حتى ولو كنت صليت ركعه منها قال من ادرك ركعه مع الامام فقد ادرك الجماعه قال واذا وان وقيمت قال تمها حبيبه هو الاولى اذا كان لم يكن على وشك السلام ان ان يخرج منها لان النبي قال اذا اقيمت الصلاه فلا صلاه الا المكتوبه قال ومن ادرك ركعه مع الامام فقد ادرك الجماعه وتدرك الركعه بادراك الركوع مع الامام اذا دخلت والامام يركع وكان بامكانك ان تكبر تكبيره الاحرام او تكبيره تكبير للاحرام من الركوع وتدخل مع الامام قبل ان يتحرك رافعا راسه من الركوع فانت تكون ادركت الركعه اما اذا كبرت ولكن رفع قبل ان تركع فانه فاتك الركعه فلا تقعد بها قال وتدرك ادراك الركوع وتجزئ تكبيره الاحرام عن تكبيره الركوع يعني اذا اردت ان تكبر لا شك النبي ذكر أن افتتاح الصلاة بالتكبير تحريمها بالتكبير تدخل فيها فإذا كبرت الإحرام ثم أهويت راكعا فالصلاة صحيحة إن كان معك وقت كبرت للإحرام تكبيرة الإحرام ثم كبرت الانتقال فهذا أحسن إذا أمكن دون تعريض نفسك للتفويت قال وتجزي تكبيره الاحرام عن تكبيره الركوع لفعل زيد بن ثابت وابن عمر رضي الله عنهما كل واحد منهم فعل ذلك ودخل وكبر رافعا بنيه الدخول بالصلاه فاجزاه ذلك عن تكبيرتين قال ولا يقول يقول رحمه الله عليه استدل بفعل ابن عمر زيد بن ثابت وابن عمر وانه لا يعرف له مخالف من الصحابه يعني ما احد استنكر ذلك حصل منهم هذا الشيء وعلم ولم يستنكر عليه قال واتيانه بهما 
أفضل يعني إذا كبر الإحرام ثم كبر كان أفضل لكن لو لم يفعل فالصلاة صحيحة فإن أدركه بعد الركوع لكن لم يدرك لم يكن مدركا للركعة يعني إذا ركع الداخل للصلاة ولكن الإمام قد رفع من الركوع فإنه لا يكون قد أدرك هذه الركعة حتى ولو ركعه حتى لو ركع هذا المأموم والإمام قد رفع قبل أن يركعوها في هذا الدخول يكون قد فاتته الصلاة يقول وعليه متابعته يقول إذا دخل مع الإمام عليه أن يتابع ولو فاتته الركعة لأنها لا تحسب له ويسمى دخوله معه ولا يقوم المسبوق حضرت إذا حاصل مع الجماعة وجدت أنهم سبقوا بركعة فلما بدأ اليوم سلم التسليمة الأولى تنهض لا ابق ماكثا في جلستك حتى ينهي الإمام السلام وقد يكون على الإمام سجود سهو ولا يريد أن يسجد إلا بعد السلام لا تكن مستعجلا لأن ترتلف في صلاتك قال ولا من يقوم المسبوق إلا بعد السلام الإمام التسليمة الثانية فإن أدركه في السجود في سجود السهو بعد السلام لم يدخل معه يعني إن كان الإمام عليه سجود السهو وهذا الداخل إلى المسجد لم يدخل معه في الصلاة أراد أن يدخل لكن سلم الإمام ثم أدى السجدتي السهو اللتين تؤديان بعد الصلاة هذا المسلوق لا يدخل معه في أدائهما لأنه لم يكن مشتركا في الصلاة فليس عليه شيء من السهو قال وإن فاتته الجماعة استحب له أن يصلي معه إنسان فاتته الجماعة استحب أن يصلي استحب له أن يصلي معه أحد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم شخص فاتت الصلاة بعدما سلم النبي فقال عليه الصلاة والسلام من يتصدق على هذا يعني من يقوم ويصلي معه حتى يدرك هذا الذي كاد أن يصلي منفردا يدرك فضيلة من جماعة وإن لم تكن الجماعة الأساسية لقوله عليه الصلاة والسلام من يتصدق على هذا فليصلي معه ولا تجب القراءة على مأموم لقوله تعالى إذا قرئ القرآن فاستمعوا له وأنصتوا لعلكم ترحمون قال أحمد أجمع الناس أن هذه الآية مقصود فيها قراءة الإيمان هذه مسألة في خلاف كبير هل يقرأ الواحد الفاتحة أو لا في خلاف بين أهل العلم ولا شك أن الصحيح وجوب الفاتحة 
الحديث المخرج في الصحيحين وغيرهما أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا صلاة لمن لم يقرأ فاتحة الكتاب قيل معناه لا صلاة مطلقة وقيل لا معناه لا صلاة كاملة يؤيد هذا قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أيما صلاة لم يقرأ فيها بفاتحة الكتاب فهي حداج والحداج الناقصة يعني غير كاملة ولا شك أن اختيار البخاري رحمه الله عليه الشافعي وغيره من الأئمة اختاروا أنه لا يجوز للإنسان أن يؤدي الصلاة بدون قراءة الفاتحة ولا تصح صلاته بدونها إلا في شيء واحد لو دخل والإمام يريد أن يرفع وإن وقف يقرأ فاتت الركعة فكبر ودخل مع الإمام هذه الراجع من كلام العلماء أن الصلاة صحيحة لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ما أمر أبا بكر الذي ركع وهو يدخل المسجد ركع قبل أن يصل الصف ما قرأ فاتحة ركع ومشى وهو راكع ودخل بالصف ما قال النبي صلاتك غير صحيحة والنبي أيضا مما يدل على أن قراءة الفاتحة واجبة النبي قال للصحابة لعلكم تقرؤون خلف إمامكم قالوا إنا لا نفعل ذلك قال إني أقول إني أنازع القرآن ثم قال لا تفعلوا لا تقرأوا إلا بأم الكتاب فقط ثم إن أم الكتاب ذكر الله أنها هي الصلاة في الحديث القدسي يقول الله جل وعلا قسمت الصلاة بيني وبين عبدي نصفين فإذا قال عبدي الحمد لله قال الله حمدا عبدي إذا قال الرحمن الرحيم قال الله أثنى علي عبدي وإذا قال مالك يوم الدين قال الله مجدني عبدي فدل على أن الصلاة يقول قسمت الصلاة بيني وبين عبدي نصفين فدل على أن قراءة الفاتحة كأنها هي الصلاة وتسن قراءته فيما لا يجهر فيه يعني إذا صليت الظهر اقرأ الفاتحة واقرأ ما شئت ما دام الإمام لم يرفع أو في الركعتين الأخيرتين من العشاء أو في الركعة الثالثة من المغرب اقرأ ما تيسر لك ما دام الإمام لا يجهر وأما في الجهرية لا فلا تفعل إلا بأم الكتاب وتسل قراءته فيما لا يجهر فيها الإمام عند أكثر أهل العلم من الصحابة والتابعين وأرام القراءة خلف الإمام فيما أسر فيه خروجا من خلاف من أوجبه لكن تركناه إذا جرح إذا جهر الإمام للأدلة الواردة في قول النبي لا تفعلوا إلا بهم الكتاب قال ويسرع في افعال الصلاه الامام الجماعه يشرع في افعالها بعد امامه ويشرع المصلي 
ما يسبق الإمام في أعمال الصلاة هل هل حتى في القراءة؟ لا في القراءة يمكن الإمام يقرأ في سره ويطيل الوقوف بعد الآيات والمأموم قد ينهيها بسرعة هذه لا حرج لكن الأعمال الفعلية لا يجوز للمأموم أن يسابق الإمام فيها يقول ويشرع في أفعالها بعد إيمان من غير تخلف بعد فراغ الإيمان فإن وافق كره يعني إن ركعت أنت في لحظة ركعة ركوع الإيمان فأنت تأثم في هذا الشيء ولا تبطل الصلاة أما لو ركعت قبل الإيمان ولو بلحظة ما صحت صلاتك هذه قال فإن ركع أو سجد قبل قبل أو سهوا رجع يعني إذا ركعت تظن الإمام ركع وهو ما ركع تنهض من ركوعك وانتظر حتى يركع ثم اركع بعده أما لو ركعت وعلمت أنك ركعت قبل الإمام لكن قلت لا معنى ما صحة الصلاة قال وإن تخلف عنه بركن بلا عذر فكالسبق له فكالسبق له يعني لو غفل الامام المأموم وركع الامام ونهض من الركوع او سجد ونهض من السجود والمأموم ما انتبه يعني قد يكون المأموم مكفوف بصر او المسجد واسع والصفر بعيد عن الجهاز الرافد الصوت ما يبلغه هذا الشيء فيبقى فيؤدي الامام الركعه هذه الركعه التي راح بعض الاركان فيها ولم يدخل المأموم تكون بمنزله فوات الركعه للمأموم اذا سلم الامام ياتي نفرض ان الشخص دخل في الصلاه مع الامام لكن فغفل او سهى فعد الامام ركنا من اركان الصلاه ولم يجاريه المعموم يكمل مع الامام ما باقي واذا سلم الامام يقوم وياتي بتلك الراكعه التي فاتت عليه يقول تابعه فيما بقي من صلاته وقضاها بعد السلام الامام ويسن له يعني للمأموم إذا ويسن للإمام إذا عرض عارض لبعض المأمومين يقتضي خروجهم أن يخفف إذا دخلت أنت في الصلاة إماما ثم شعرت بعض الناس حريصنا على التخفيف إما أن يكون في طفل يبكي أو سمعت ما يدل على أمر لسر التخفيف يقول الذي إني أدخل في الصلاة وأنا أريد أن أطيلها فأسمع بكاء الصبي فأتخفف في صلاتي لما أعلم من وجد أمه به يعني وانشغالها قال يسن له إذا عرض عارض لبعض المأمومين يقتضي خروجه أن يخفف 
وتكره السرعه سرعه تمنع ماموما من ذل ما يسمى يعني اذا اذا صرت اماما فكن هادئا في صلاتك لا تطيلهم لا تطيل تطيل الصلاه فتملهم لكن لا تخفف خفه يرى بعضهم انه عاجز عن مجاراتك في هذه الاعمال لا تام في وقوفك تام في حال ركوعك تام في حال وقوفك بعد الركوع وهكذا في بقيه اعمال الصلاه يحرص الواحد على ان يكون في صلاته يراعي المؤمنين بالنسبه للامام النبي قال اذا عم احدكم الناس فليخفف فان فيهم الكبير والمريض وذا الحاجه معناها ان تخفف التخفيف الذي يتحقق معه اداء الصلاه لا نقص فيها لكن لا يشعر الاخرون بان بالقلق من الاطاله فاسال الله جل وعلا ان يجعلنا جميعا موفقين في اداء هذه العباده العظيمه وان يتقبلها منا جميعا وان يتجاوز عن تقصيرنا وان لا يكلنا عليها بل يعاملنا بعفوه ولطفه واحسانه لا اله الا هو وصلى الله عليه محمد الشيخ حفيظ الله تعالى began in the name of Allah we praise him we seek his forgiveness for our evil deeds and we seek his assistance with the witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah he is alone he has no partners for him is the dominion and for him is the praise and we bear witness that Muhammad is his slave and messenger and friend the one that Allah sent as a mercy to mankind He gave the message, he fulfilled the trust, and he fought in the way of Allah. And may Allah be pleased with his companions, those who believed in him, and migrated to him and with him, and those who fought during his time and after his time, until this religion uh, was spread to all parts of, or to different parts of the world. And may Allah make us from those who love them and are sincere, and our love for them. The speech or the part of the treaties which is being discussed in this lesson is the prayer in congregation. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, it is obligatory upon uh, the men to pray in congregation. And if an individual does not pray in congregation, his prayer is accepted, but he is in sin for abandoning the congregation. And the proof for this is the fact that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that the prayer which is in the congregation, uh, it is greater in reward than 27, or 27 times more than the prayer which is done uh, an individual alone. And then he mentioned what Shaykh al-Islam, Shaykh Muhammad bin Abdul Wahhab mentioned that the prayer in congregation, the least number is two. The Imam and the individual who is praying with the Imam. So in order for the prayer to be considered to congregation, the least 
amount of individuals praying, it must be two, the Imam, and the one who is praying with the Imam. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that this is not the, the Friday prayer, and this likewise not the Eid prayer. It must be more than two. But the congregational prayer, it is allowed that it is two. And it is obligatory whether the individual, the, the congregational prayer is obligatory whether the individual is a resident or he's on a journey. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, whether these journeys are for the purpose of calling to Allah or for having picnics or for traveling uh, throughout different parts of the world or for individuals who are merchants, it is obligatory that they pray in congregation. And this prayer in congregation is, even, uh, is obligatory even in the state of fear. As Allah mentioned in the Quran and Surah An-Nisa, when you are uh, fighting the enemy, and you're in a state of fear. Uh, it is likewise obligatory to pray in congregation. And the Shaykh said, this prayer, which is the prayer of fear, uh, it is different from the normal prayer, uh, entering the prayer, and the, the standing positions, and the bowing positions, and even uh, leaving the prayer. It is different from the normal prayer, but even in this state, it is obligatory for the Muslims to pray in, the males to pray in congregation. And the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned um, what the author said about the, the congregational prayer has a reward 27 times more than an individual who prays alone. And the Shaykh said, so for example, if someone prays alone, so if someone prays in congregation, he gets 27 more rewards than the individual that prays alone. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, there's no one with sound uh, intellect would leave this or abandon this reward. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, for example, if a person could stand in his place and get uh, one, uh, one coin, but if he would walk somewhere else uh, a few steps uh, he can get 27 more coins then who in their right mind would only take one coin Sheikh said Habib Allah Ta'ala no he would have everyone would go and take more coins if he knows that if he could walk further he could get 27 more coins then indeed he would do so so what is the case with the prayer and the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, and it's not that you get two or three more coins, no, you get 27 more. Then the Shaykh mentioned, Habib Allah Ta'ala, the importance of performing them in the, the congregation in the masjid. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that this does not mean that a group of people can come together and say, we are the minimum number to pray in congregation. So let's pray in this particular place. No, the Shaykh said, no, it, the prayer in congregation is considered only in the masjid. A person shouldn't say, as long as we reach a certain number of people, we can pray in congregation. No, this is in the masjid. As Allah Azawajal mentioned, uh, In the houses that Allah has given permission that they are raised. So Allah Azawajal, has described the congregation to be held in the masjid. 
And then the author Rahimahullah mentioned uh, that Wal'atiqu afdal. The old is better. So the Shaykh said, Hadith Allah Ta'ala. So, for example, if you live between two masjids, one of them is, is new, it was just opened yesterday, and the other one is much older. It is better that you pray in the older masjid. It is better that you pray in the older masjid. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, if you pray in the newer masjid, the prayer is accepted. But that which has greater reward is that you pray in the older masjid. And likewise, um, uh, you should pray in the masjid that has a larger congregation. Um, praying, two people praying is better than one person praying. As you have, it's mentioned in the hadith with the Prophet Prophet said, a person praying with another person is greater than a person praying alone. And then three people praying together is greater than two people praying together. So the more or the greater in number the congregation, the better it is. And likewise, um, the, the, the masjid which is further is better. So the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, if you have a masjid which is very close to you, and there's an, another masjid which is further, it is better that you pray in the masjid which is fur, further. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, the reason for this or the proof for this is the fact that your steps, the, the, the more steps you take to the masjid, the, the more reward you get. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala said, or the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that during the time of the Prophet Wasallam, there, there was a man who never missed the prayer. Who never missed the prayer. And he lived a distance from the masjid. So the companion said to that man, why don't you buy a donkey so that you can ride it to the masjid? And the man replied, he said, I do not wish that I do so. I do not wish that I do so. For verily, I want Allah to write my steps to the masjid and my steps when I return from the masjid. When this statement reached the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Verily, Allah has gathered all of that for you. Meaning, Allah has uh, written a reward for his steps to the masjid and from the masjid. So the Shaykh mentioned, every time you put down one foot, Allah removes a bad deed. And when you put down the other foot, Allah writes for you a good deed. And uh, so the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, so just imagine that your home is fifth of uh, one, your home is 500 steps from the masjid. Allah will write for you 500 good deeds. And Allah will remove from you 500 bad deeds. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, this is a blessing that Allah Azza wa Jal has made easy for the believers. And likewise, it took place in the time of the Prophet Wasallam that some of the companions, and they were called the tribe of uh, Salama, the tribe of Salama, that they lived in a far, they lived a far distance from the masjid. And they uh, were considering uh, moving closer to the masjid. They were considering moving closer to the masjid. When this, when this news reached the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Oh, the tribe of Salama, verily your homes, write your rewards. Meaning, stay in your homes, stay a distance from the masjid, and this will be greater in reward for you. 
Then the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. Afwan, the, then the author, Rahim Allah Ta'ala, he mentioned uh, that a person does not take the position of an imam in the masjid that already has an imam. The masjid that has an irregular, a regular imam, the person should not stand up to uh, lead the people in prayer. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, uh, so if the masjid has a regular imam, uh, and the time for the iqamah has not, uh, the time for the iqamah has not approached, a, a person should not enter into the masjid and then go to lead the people in prayer. No, he should wait for the regular imam. Except if the regular imam, it, it is time for the iqamah, and the regular imam has delayed, and this is harming the people, then it is permissible for someone to take the position of the imam. But until that time, no one should take the position of, of the imam. Uh, and the proof for this, yani the proof for if the time has approached and the regular imam has delayed and it is time for the people to pray, then it is permissible for someone to come forward and lead the people in prayer. The proof for that is the action of Abu Bakr, Siddiq anhu, and Abdul Rahman bin Auf. One time, uh, it took place the Prophet ﷺ was sick, so he was delayed in leading the people in the prayer. In the prayer. So the Prophet ﷺ ordered Abu Bakr to do so, and another time it was Abdurrahman bin Auf. Then the author ﷺ mentioned, if the, the, the call to prayer, if the iqamah is given, it is not permissible for an individual to enter into superiority prayer. It is not permissible for an individual to enter into an extra prayer. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, if you hear the iqamah, it is not permissible for a person to say, I'm going to pray very quickly. I'm going to pray my sunnahs very quickly. No, uh, it is for a person to enter into the obligatory prayer. Then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, but if a person has already entered into his sunnah, if a person has already entered into sunnah, and then the iqamah is given. And then the iqamah is given. If he's almost at the end of the sunnahs, then it is permissible for him to continue. If he's almost at the end. But if he's not almost at the end, then he has to cut the prayer. He has to stop the prayer and join the congregation. He has to stop the prayer and join the congregation. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, um, and the... The, what is, what is, uh, the person should consider is that if they're almost at the end of their prayer and now the call for the congregation is given, if they finish, they should still be able to catch the takbir of the imam and they should be able to catch the opening supplication and they should be able to catch Surah Al-Fatiha. But if it is feared that if they continue in the sunnah prayer, and now they're going to miss the takbir of the imam, or they're going to miss the opening supplication, or they're going to miss Surah Al-Fatiha, then they should cut the prayer. They should cut the prayer, and they should immediately join the imam. Then the, the author, Rahimah Ta'ala, mentioned, uh, that the person who reaches, the person who reaches the, the raka'ah, or the ruku'ah, the person who reaches the ruku' with the imam, he has caught that unit of prayer. He has caught that unit of prayer. 
Naam. And the Shaykh mentioned Hadith Allah Ta'ala. Naam. And this is that you catch the Imam before he rises from the Rukur. This is that you catch the Imam before he rises from the Rukur. But if you enter into the prayer, and at the time that you enter into the prayer, the Imam is already rising from the Rukur, then you have not caught this unit of prayer. Then you have not caught this unit of prayer. Then the issue of the Takbirat al-Ihram. For example, the person enters into uh, the person enters into the, the imam upon the person comes into the masjid and the imam is in the ruku'. The imam is bowing. Does the person, this is the masala, and that is, does the person make one takbir for standing and entering into the prayer and then make another takbir to go into the bowing position? And the author, Rahimullah Ta'ala, mentions uh, the person can make one takbir and immediately go into the ruku'. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, what is better? The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, what is better? Is that the person does two takbirs. The person does one takbir for entering into the salat, and then they, move, they do another takbir for bowing. But if there's not enough time, he said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, but if there's not enough time, and it is feared that if they do two takbirs, that they won't catch the imam and the ruku', then it is sufficient that a person does one takbir, and he immediately goes into the ruku'. He immediately goes in to the Rukur. And the, the, the author, Rahimahullah mentioned the proof for that, yani the proof for the person making one takbir and immediately going into Rukur is the action of two companions, the action of Zayd bin Thabit and Ibn Umar. Zayd bin Thabit and Ibn Umar, they did this. They made one takbir and they immediately bowed uh, and none of the companions, as the author mentioned, none of the companions uh, uh, opposed them in this. So this shows that it is permissible because it was something that was done by two companions and no other companions opposed them in this action. Uh, and the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, or Afwan, the author mentioned Rahim Allah Ta'ala, but if you were to do two, two takbirs, you do one for standing and then one for going into ruku, it is better. It is better. But the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala reiterated, but if it is feared that you would not catch the Imam, then you can do one and immediately go into Ruku'ah. Then the author Rahimahullah Ta'ala mentioned, but if you do not catch the Imam before he rises from the Ruku'ah, then you have not caught that unit of prayer. Then you have not caught that unit of prayer, and you must still follow the Imam in the remaining actions of that unit. You still must follow the Imam in the remaining actions of that unit. Then the author mentions Rahimahullah Ta'ala, any place that you catch the Imam, any place that you catch the Imam, it is the Sunnah that you enter into the prayer. It is the Sunnah that you enter into the prayer. The Shaykh mentioned Habibullah Ta'ala that, uh, for example, if the Imam rises up from the Ruku' and you have not caught the, the bowing, you should still enter into the prayer. You should still enter into the prayer. If the imam goes into the sujood, some people they stand and they say, no, I'm going to wait for him to come up. No, you should still, as the author mentioned, wala yaqumun masbuq. You should still go into, you should not stand, you should still go into the, the, that position of the prayer. Uh, then the author, rahimahullah ta'ala, Now, then the author, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, mentions that 
if you have missed a portion of the prayer, if you have missed a portion of the prayer, but you've joined the prayer with the Imam, and now the Imam has finished the prayer, that the person who is being led in the prayer should not stand until the Imam finishes the second taslim. Until the Imam finishes the second taslim. So for example, uh, if you have joined the prayer late, and now you're following the Imam, but there's still some of the prayer that you have to make up. So the Imam does the first taslim. You should not stand up until he finishes the second taslim. You should not stand up until he finishes the second taslim. Uh, then the author Rahimahullah mentions, but if you enter into the masjid and the Imam is praying the shujood is sahu, if you enter into the masjid and the Imam has finished the prayer and now he's praying the prostration for forgetfulness, you do not join him in that. You do not join him in that. Now, now in the Shaykh Habibullah he just said the same thing that the Imam, so the same thing that the author mentioned, so if you enter into the masjid and the Imam, there's nothing left of the prayer except the shujood sahu You do not join him in the shujood sahu You do not join him in the shujood sahu Then he mentions, now, uh, if a person has missed the congregation, if a person enters into the masjid and they, mint, and they have missed the congregation and now they're praying alone, it is the sunnah that you join that person. If you uh, have prayed or if you also enter into the masjid late, you should join that person. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ, it took place from the time of the Prophet ﷺ, that a person missed the congregation and they began to pray alone. They began to pray alone. When the Prophet ﷺ noticed this individual praying alone, the Prophet ﷺ said, who will give him charity? So someone joined that man. Someone joined that man. And this means that it was another congregation. This means that it was another congregation. So this means that you are giving charity to this man. So the author Rahimahullah mentioned that it is from the Sunnah that if someone misses the congregation and now that individual is praying alone, it is from the Sunnah that someone joins him so that this is a means of charity for that individual. Then the author Rahimahullah mentions that it is not obligatory for the ma'moom to recite in the prayer. For the person who is being led by an Imam, it is not obligatory for him to recite. Based on the statement of Allah in Surah Al-A'raq, if the Qur'an is being recited, then you should listen to it. If the Qur'an is being recited, then you should listen to it. And the author mentions the statement of Imam Ahmad that the, the people have, are, uh, there's a consensus amongst, amongst the people that this verse is for the Salat. So if the Imam is reciting, then the person who hears him should be quiet. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that this is a, uh, there's a disagreement amongst the people of knowledge. There's a disagreement amongst the people of knowledge. The person who is being led in the congregation, should they recite or not? And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that there's no doubt that the most correct opinion or the strongest of the opinions is that it is obligatory to recite Surah Al-Fatiha. It is obligatory upon the one who is being led in congregation to recite, to recite Surah Al-Fatiha. And this is based on the statement of the Prophet, of the Prophet in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, where the Prophet said, there is no prayer for the one who does not recite Surah Al-Fatiha. 
So that means the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha is obligatory. Obviously upon the Imam and upon the one who is being led in the prayer. And what is, it, what is meant by there is no prayer for the one who doesn't recite Surah Al-Fatiha? Does that mean that they get no reward at all? Or does that mean that the prayer is somewhat deficient? The Shaykh said, Habib Allah that some scholars say this and some scholars say that. And the reason for that is because you have a hadith with the Prophet where he said, whoever does not recite Surah Al-Fatiha, his prayer is deficient. His prayer is deficient. So, uh, so that means that the, the prayer is accepted, but it is deficient. The prayer is accepted, and but it is deficient. And uh, Imam al-Bukhari, Imam al-Shafi, um, they both were of the opinion that it is not permissible for uh, a person to abandon recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. That a person must recite Surah Al-Fatiha except in one instance. And that is, if the person enters in, into the prayer while the Imam is in, uh, in the Ruku'ah. If the person enters into the prayer while the Imam is bowing, then there's no recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. But other than that, Imam al-Bukhari and Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala were of the opinion that it is obligatory to recite Surah Al-Fatiha. And the Shaykh said, and this is the most correct opinion. The strongest opinion is that the person must recite Surah Al-Fatiha except if they enter into the prayer while the Imam is in the Ruku'ah. Why? Uh, and the Salat is accepted. If you enter into their prayer, if you enter into the, the prayer while the Imam is in the Ruku'ah, so you did not have the ability to recite Surah Al-Fatiha, this is the only time that is not obligatory. Why? Because one of the companions, Abu Bakrah, one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, he made uh, Ruku'ah, and then he walked to the, the road. He walked to the road, and the Prophet ﷺ did not say to him to repeat the prayer. So this shows that the person who enters into the prayer while the Imam is in the Ruku'ah, then there is no uh, Fatiha upon him. And likewise, a proof for that uh, is that the Prophet ﷺ said to his companions, uh, it is possible that you recite behind the Imam. And they said, yes, we do. And the Prophet ﷺ said, why am I being uh, opposed? Why am I being opposed? Do not recite behind the Imam except Surah Al-Fatiha, except the mother of the book. Except the mother of the book, meaning Surah Al-Fatiha. So the Prophet ﷺ instructed the companions not to recite Quran behind the Imam in the congregation, except for Surah Al-Fatiha. And likewise, another proof uh, for the obligation of reciting Surah Al-Fatiha is the Hadith Al-Qudsi, where the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah said that I have divided the prayer between me and my servant. Allah said, I have divided the prayer between me and my servant. And in this hadith, Allah is, or the Prophet mentioned that Allah is talking about Surah Al-Fatiha. So in this hadith, Surah Al-Fatiha is considered like the prayer itself. When the person begins the prayer, Allah says, my, 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 serve, my servant has praised me, my servant has glorified me. So in this hadith, Allah is describing the prayer as Surah Al-Fatiha. Now, um, then the author, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, mentioned now, that if, if for the one who is in the congregation, he should recite 
when the imam is not hurt. So in the prayer, the Shaykh Mishra Habibullah, for example, in, in Salatul Dhuhr or Salatul Asr, where you're praying in congregation, but you cannot hear the imam, then it is for you to recite. Then it is for uh, you to recite. For you to recite Surah Al-Fatiha and other than Surah Al-Fatiha. Why? Because you cannot hear the imam. But in the prayers that you can hear the imam, then you should not recite uh, uh, then you should not recite another surah but surah al-fatiha you should surah al-fatiha you should then um, the author mentioned rahimahullah ta'ala now the author mentions that the person who is being led in congregation his actions should follow the actions of the imam his actions should follow the actions of the imam. Meaning he should not go quicker than he, he should not precede the imam. He should not go into ruku' before the imam. He should not go into sujood before the imam. Because if he does so, knowingly, then his prayer is invalid. Then his prayer is invalid. So he should wait for the imam to go into position, and then he goes into that position. The imam goes into ruku', then the person goes into ruku'. The imam stands, rises from the ruku'ah, the person rises from the ruku'ah. He should not perceive the imam in the actions. And if a person, the Shaykh mentioned, if a person does so uh, unknowingly, and then they realize that they have done so, they have to go back to that action. They have to go back to the action, and then follow the imam in all of the rest of the actions. Um, and the Shaykh mentioned, it's possible that a person does it unknowingly. It's possible that a person uh, they, for example, if the person is blind, so they cannot see the imam. Or if the person is very far from the speaker, so they cannot hear the imam, so they accidentally go into a position, and then they realize that the imam went after them into that position, then the person has to return, has to return to the position that the imam is in, and then they continue the prayer from there. And then they continue the prayer from, from, from there. Uh, Then the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that if a person misses, if the person is praying with the Imam, if the person is praying with the Imam, but once again, they can't see the Imam or they're far from the, the, the speaker and they do not realize that they have missed a pillar from the prayer. For example, if the person is standing, Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, for example, if the person is standing and they cannot hear the Imam, nor can they see the Imam. And then they realize that the Imam has already gone into Ruku'ah and then he has risen from the Ruku'ah. So the person missed the, 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 the Ruku'ah. The person missed the Ruku'ah. The, the, and now the Imam goes into Sujood. And now the Imam goes into Sujood. The person goes into the position that they see the Imam. So they go into the Sujood. Then at the end of the prayer, then at the end of the prayer, the person has to stand up and complete the pillar that they forgot. The person has to stand up and complete the pillar that they missed. Just like someone who entered into the prayer late. Just like someone. So the Shaykh said, Habibullah So if you're standing in prayer with the Imam, and then you realize that you have missed one of the pillars of the prayer, because you can't see the Imam, or the, the speaker system turns off, and then you realize that you have missed one of the pillars of the prayer. Once the Imam finishes the prayer, you have to stand up and complete that pillar that you missed, just like someone who came into the prayer late. Just like someone who came into the prayer 
late. Then the author, Rahimah Taala, uh, then the author, Rahimah Taala, mentions um, if there is a reason for the Imam uh, to raise the prayer. For example, uh, and he's going to explain that Habibullah Taala, if there's a, a reason for the Imam to slightly rush in the prayer, then he should do so. And the Shaykh said, for example, if the Imam begins the prayer, and then he notices that some people uh, have a, you know, a reason, that, or there's some reason for him to uh, race, slightly race in the prayer, then he should do so. He said, for example, it took place that the Prophet said, I enter into the prayer, and I want to elongate the prayer. But then I shorten it because I hear a child crying. I hear a baby crying. I shorten it out of uh, concern for its mother. I shorten it out of concern for its mother. So the Shaykh said, Habibullah Ta'ala, so if the Imam feels that there's some reason for him to uh, uh, race in the prayer, then he should do so. So he should not make the prayer long to bore the people, nor should he make it very short nor should he make it very short. And he should give each uh, each pillar of the prayer, whether it's the standing or the ruku', he should give it its right. He should give it its right. But at the same time, the Shaykh said, Habibullah Ta'ala, he should consider the needs of the people. He should consider the needs of the people, as it was said in the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu um, The Prophet Sallallahu said that when one of you enters into the prayer as an imam, if one of you enters into their prayer as an imam, he should not make it so long. For verily, behind him is someone who is old, or someone who is sick, or someone who has a need. So the imam should not long it the prayer, and he should consider the needs of the people who are praying behind him. Then the shaykh said, Habibullah Ta'ala, we ask Allah Azza to give us success, and we ask Allah Azza to uh, allow us to perform this active worship in the best of manners and we ask Allah to accept it from us and we ask Allah not to judge us solely based on on the worship because verily we're deficient in uh, performing the worship and we ask Allah to pardon us to السائل حفظكم الله تعالى إذا كنت أصلي في البيت لعذر شرعي النافلة ثم أقام أبي ثم أقام أبي الصلاة جماعة هل أقطع صلاتي وأنضم معه إذا كنت في آخر صلاتك النافلة بحيث لا يفوتك تكبيرة الإحرام 
والاستعاذة وقراءة الفاتحة فلا حرج تتم النقل وإذا حسيت إذا أنت أتممتها أن يقرب من الركوع فاقطعها لأن الحديث واضح إذا أقيمت الصلاة فلا صلاة إلا الطرق يعني هل لا دخول فيها ممكن هل هو أيضا لا استمرار ممكن أيضا So I think the individual is asking if uh, I'm praying at home for a legislative reason, I'm praying this derogatory prayer, and then my father calls the iqama to pray the prayer in congregation at home, should I cut my prayer, or should I abandon this derogatory prayer? The Sheikh said, Habib Allah if you are at the end of this derogatory prayer, uh, and you do not fear missing the, the opening takbir and the opening supplication and al-fatiha then you can complete your subhanahu prayer but if you fear that you're going to miss these the, the opening takbir and the opening supplication then you should uh, abandon that because the the hadith is clear with the prophet said if the call to prayer is given then there's no prayer except that call or except that prayer so if you do not fear missing the opening takbir, then you can continue. يقول السؤال حبيبكم الله تعالى هل نفهم من قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من يتصدق على هذا جواز جواز إقامة الجماعة الثانية في المسجد؟ لا شك في ذلك. قال النبي من يتصدق على هذا يعني بدل ما يكون يصلي منفردا يدخل معه احد المصلين اللي ادوا الصلاه تصدق منه في هذا الدخول يفوز ذاك بثمن الاجر والذي دخل معه في صلاته له اجر ايضا. Uh, who would give who would give charity to this individual that it is permissible to pray a second uh, congregation in the masjid? The Sheikh said, "There's no doubt concerning that." The Prophet said, "Who would give charity to this individual?" Meaning, the individual is praying alone, and someone who has already prayed, the congregation would join him. So, uh, and this would increase the reward for him, and likewise for the one who is joining him. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى إذا كنت أصلي نافلة ثم أقيمت الصلاة فكيف الخروج فكيف الخروج من النافلة؟ لا تحتاج إلى تسليم لأنها لم تتم حتى تسلم منها وإنما تخرج بنية الخروج منها فقط وتدخل مع الجماعة the individual is asking uh, if I'm praying the supererogatory prayer and then the, the call for the obligatory prayer is given, then how do I exit from the supererogatory prayer? The Sheikh said, you do not have to make taslim. You do not have to make taslim because you have not completed the prayer yet. 
So what the way that you uh, exit from the prayer is that you just intend. You just intend to exit the prayer and then you immediately join the obligatory prayer. يقول السؤال أحبكم الله تعالى هل يشرع صلاة أو هل يشرع أن أصلي أربع ركعات بعد صلاة العشاء وما ثوابها؟ هل ورد ثواب في هذا؟ هي جائزة يجوز للإنسان بعد ما يصلي العشاء أن يأتي بالركعتين الراتبة ويضيف إليها ركعتين لا حرج في ذلك So I think the individual is asking, uh, is it legislated for me to pray two, four units of prayer after Salat al-Isha? The Sheikh said it is permissible. It is permissible for a person after Salat al-Isha to pray two units of prayer and then to add two more units of prayer. It is permissible and there's no problem in doing it. يقول السؤال حبيب مراتالا قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من يتصدق على هذا هل الحديث عام يشمل جميع الصلوات مثل صلاة الفجر وصلاة العصر نعم يشمل الجميع لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم رأى رجلين لما صلى الفجر في منى وإذا برجلين لم يصلي معهم فطلب استدعى بهما فحضر قال ما ما شأنكما؟ قال صلينا يا رسول الله في رحالنا قال إذا حضرتم فأقيمت الصلاة وقد صليتما في رحالكما ادخلا معهم تكن لكم نافلة فهذا الشخص اللي في صلاة العصر مثلا يريد أن يتصدق عليه هذا وقت نهي يكون هذا الامر من النبي استثناء لمثل تلك الحاله. السلام عليكم that they prayed in congregation and when they finished the Fajr prayer and this was in Mina in Mecca the Prophet ﷺ noticed that there were two individuals that did not join them in the congregational prayer so the Prophet ﷺ said why have you not joined he called, called them and he said why have you not joined us they said we've already prayed we've already prayed so the Prophet ﷺ said if the prayer if the obligatory prayer is established then you join them even if you've already prayed it you join them and it would be an extra for you. So the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. So based on that, even if an individual has already prayed and now someone has entered into the masjid and now they're praying alone, it is permissible for you to join them in the prayer. يقول السؤال حبيبكم الله تعالى هناك امرأة مطلقة وهي تريد أن تؤدي أمرة ولكن زوجها ولكن زوجها يمنعها 
أو يمنع ابنها بأن يذهب معها فما نصيحتكم لهذا الرجل؟ إذا كان ذهاب ابنه الذي هو ابنها معها للعمرة يفوت عليه المصرف وتلحقه الغيبة وهي سبق لها أن اعتمرت فلا حرج عليه ولا شك أن الأولى أن يكون سمحا من دام الإحسان إليها حتى لا تكون مقطوعة من هذا العمل الكريم ولعل أيضا ثمار الولد معها أن يكون سببا في هداية الولد وصلاحه and she would like to perform Umrah, but her husband uh, has uh, prevented her son from performing Umrah with her. What is your advice? And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, um, if the purpose or the reason behind him preventing the son from joining his mother is that it would, uh, it would prevent some type of uh, thing that he's trying to accomplish, and him, the son going, the son's absence would prevent something that the father is trying to accomplish, and the mother has already made umrah, then there's no problem in him preventing. But what is uh, more preferred is that the father allows the boy to go. What's more preferred is that the father allows the boy to go. Uh, for one, this is kindness towards the mother, and for two, so that she's not cut off from performing uh, this act of worship. And the Shaykh, also added, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that it is possible that the, the boy accompanying his mother is a, a means of guidance for the boy. It is a means of guidance for the boy. أولا إن كانت هذه الرؤيا التي رأيتها رؤيا ساهرة بالنسبة لك فرحت بها وسررت فإذا وثقت بأحد بأن يكون يحسن تعبير الرؤيا ولا يحسدك عليها فلا حرج وإذا لم تجد ذلك فهي لا تحتاج إلى التفسير ما كان فيها من خير محتمل لك وكان الله قد كتب سوف يأتيك حتى ولو لم يفسرها لك ثم لا يصح لأحد أن يقول أني أعبر الرؤية وهو ليس أهلا لتعبيرها ما يحسن لأنها أمور يمنحها الله من يشاء فيكون موفقا في تعبيره للرؤيا واحد دون ذلك. أحسنت 
request its explanation from uh, and you trust that this individual would not be jealous of you uh, due to the stream, then it's permissible. Um, but if you do not find anyone who can explain uh, the dream or interpret the dream, then you don't need for the dream to be interpreted. Because if there is good in the dream, there is good in the dream, and Allah has written it for you, then it would happen even if you don't know the interpretation or the meaning of the dream. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, likewise, um, it's not correct that you, um, or it's not correct for a person to say they know how to explain dreams, but this individual doesn't really know how to explain dreams. This is something that Allah has bestowed upon some individuals, that they have the ability to explain dreams, and some others do not have the ability to do so. الواجب على المسلمين في كل مكان أن يتقوا الله جل وعلا وأن يحرصوا على كف الأذى بقدر المستطاع ثم أيضا يظهرون تبرؤهم من فعل أولئك الذين أفسدوا في بلجيكا إن هذا العمل عمل محرم شرعا أن يأتي إنسان مسلم ليفسد على ناس حياتهم وهو ليس في قتال بوي وجهاد معه ويظن أن هذا العمل الذي ينزله به يكسبه أجر بل هذا يكسبه إثما عند الله جل وعلا الله كتب الإحسان على كل شيء أن الإنسان يحرص أن يكون محسنا so like the individual is asking what is uh, oh our sheikh what is obligatory upon the muslims in the west uh, specifically or uh, in light of what has taken place recently in belgium the sheikh said Habib Allah ta'ala it's obligatory upon the muslims in all parts of the world is that they fear allah and they should be diligent in preventing harm to the best of their ability and they should uh, show and announce that they are free from this type of action, uh, this type of uh, evil action which was performed by these individuals. Uh, this action is not legislated and it is forbidden in Islam that a Muslim would come and he would destroy uh, the lives of individuals. Um, uh, and this is not considered from, from jihad. And these individuals consider this action to be that they, or they consider themselves to be gaining reward, but they're not. They are in fact in sin. They are in fact in sin. Allah Azzawajal has described perfection in everything. No. Well, Nahmad Allah Jalla wa Ala. Ala ma yassara min hadha al-ijtima'a. Wa nas'aluhu Jalla wa Ala bi asmahi wa sifatih. An yajjala ijtima'an hadha ijtima'an marhum. Wa an yakun wa tafarruhan anin tafarruhan ma'asumun. وأن يصلح حالنا وحال المسلمين في كل مكان فأن ننصر الحق وأهله وأن يذل الباطل وأهله في كل مكان كما نسأل جل وعلا أن يفرج قربات المكروبين من المسلمين في الشام والعراق وكل
كل بلد ثارت فيه فتنه او حصل فيه مضره على المسلمين نسال الله ان يعاجلهم بالفرج في كل ما هو فيه من كرب وان يعوضهم بمنه وكرمه جل وعلا وان يصنعنا بالعقل عاجل انتصار الحق على الباطل وإعزاز الحق وأمنه وإذلال الباطل وأهله كما نسأل سبحانه وتعالى أيضا في جميع البلاد الإسلامية أن يشملها من الله جل وعلا نطف وتيسير ورأفة وسعادة والتوفية لكل ما يحبه الله جل وعلا ويرضاه كما نسأله جل وعلا أن ينهي مشكلة اليمن وأن ينصر الحق على الباطل وأن يقطع آمال الصفويين الذين أرادوا أن يعيدوا في بلاد الإسلام الفتنة التي أنهوا المذهب الشافعي من عامة بلاد فارس وراسان لأن كانت في القرن السابق عامة أهل أيران المنطقة بلاد فارس كلهم شافعية وفيهم أحناف فلما قامت الدولة الصفوية في عهد إسماعيل الصفوي يقال أنه قتل من نفس أهل تلك البلاد أكثر من مليون شافعي ثم هبطت تلك الطائفة فترة من الزمن مئات السنين ثم قامت بشيء من نفس الأسلوب عندما قام الخميني ومعه وكم قتل في العراق وكم قتل في أيران من أهل السنة شيء كثير فالله المستعان فنسأل الله أن يعاجلها المسلمين على السنة في كل مكان بالنصر والتأييد إنه يجيب الدعاء كما أسأله جل وعلا أن يحفظ على بلادنا المملكة العربية السعودية أن يحفظ عليها أمرها وأن يوفق ولي أمرها ومن يعينه على نصرة الحق وإعانة المسلمين في كل مكان بما يمكنهم من الخير والدفع عنهم ودفع الشر عنهم إنه يجيب الدعاء آخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا. الشيخ حبيب الله تعالى ended by asking Allah عز وجل to make with his names and attributes to make this gathering a gathering of mercy and to make our separation and dispersing from this gathering with forgiveness and to correct our affairs and the affairs of the Muslims everywhere and to support the truth and to debase the falsehood and ask Allah to give peace to the Muslims in Syria and Iraq and every Muslim land and we ask Allah to prevent them from all types of harm and oppression and we ask Allah to replace their oppression with ease and we ask Allah to allow us to hear the, the support of the truth and the basing of the, dis, of the falsehood soon. We ask Allah for, the all, for all of the Muslim lands that He uh, decrees uh, gentleness and development and happiness for them. And 
gives them success uh, to do that which is pleasing to Allah and that, that which is pleasing to Allah and that which Allah loves. And ask Allah Azawajal to end the problems which are presently in Yemen. And ask Allah to support the truth there and to debase it uh, or to end the, the falsehood, that which is uh, intended by the Safawiyun. Uh, those who are trying to bring fitna back to the Muslim lands uh, after we know that at one time in this in Persian in these Persian lands they were uh, upon the, the madhab of Imam al-Shafi'i and some Hanafis but uh, during his time Ismail al-Safawi he killed uh, more than a million people from the people of the Sunnah so we ask Allah Azawajal and then later on uh, during the time of Khomeini and how many, Sheikh said, how many people from the people of the Sunnah were killed in Iraq and Iran? So we ask Allah Azawajal to support the truth. And we ask Allah Azawajal in this country, Saudi Arabia, to protect our religion and our worldly affairs. And we ask Allah to give success to the rulers, to support the truth, and support the Muslims, and to bring good to the Muslims, and to defend them from any type of harm. Verily, Allah is the one who answers the call. And our last supplications for Allah. Uh, the Lord of the Worlds, all praise be to Allah, the Lord of the Worlds, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon Muhammad, his family members and companions.